Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes. completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started silvia is the co-founder and cpo of levi which is working to make sure everyone has a chance of fertility through precision fertility diagnostics in the interview silvia shares how she is empowering women and couples by translating medical research into valuable information for family planning she shares how the mission of her startup is also her personal mission and how similar leadership is to parenting we had a conversation about the small and little things which we remember and the challenges of convincing investors as well as other stakeholders of what they are doing which is quite unique and why hi silvia welcome to the choosing Welcome to the Choosing Leadership podcast. Hi Silvia. Hi Sumit. Welcome, welcome to the Choosing Leadership podcast. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. It's to it's good to have you as well. So for anybody who is listening, can you start by sharing a little bit about yourself, who you are and what do you do? Sure. My name is Silvia Hesch. I'm based in Vienna, Austria. I am co-founder CPO at the company called Levy Health. I am a mother of two children. I am a wife, and in the startup, especially in one that is so early stage as we are, I'm wearing many hats, which is typical for co-founders. What our company does is precision fertility diagnostics for women who've been struggling to conceive. In a nutshell, our product is a clinical decision support software that is used both by physicians. different healthcare practitioners nurses and women i know that when you're struggling to conceive it's not just women who are part of the equation but also men however we are including the male part in our system as well it's just that if you diagnose something and if you are suffer as a medical device you always have to choose an indication and as indication we chose female infertility so that's why thing on women 
Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Can you share a little bit of your backstory, right? What led you to, to where you are today? It's quite a long story. I don't know how much time we have, but I think the most important part of my life that led me here was wanting to be a mom for a long time. I remember initially when I was a teenager, when I went to university, I was very much focused on my career. I didn't want children. actually envisioned a future without children, I envisioned a future where I was focusing on my career. And then I found a partner that really wanted to have children. Like it happened almost overnight, this urge, maybe really driven by female hormones, nobody really knows. And you want to have kids and then it didn't work. And I was overwhelmed by that sense of urgency that that belonging or that desire to have a child um, was so strong all of a sudden. And then realizing that you want something badly, then not be able to get it. That like really sparked something in me and gave me energy to do something about that. And I mean, I was able to solve my own problem. I was a medical journalist at the time. I knew many physicians. I knew how to do research. I basically knew that when you have a medical problem, what to do about it. But I was and I am very well aware that, that is not true for the most people out there. And that especially women struggling to conceive lay all their hopes in the hands of physicians and don't really, on the one hand, um, take responsibility or ownership, but not just because they don't want to, but because they're not able to. So that experience of wanting something and then not be able to get it and then eventually be able to get it, but notice that others struggle much harder than I do, or that I did, that really pushed me towards finding a solution and finding opportunities and offerings for women and couples out there so that they are not in the same situation that I was. Thank you for sharing that. So personal. So I want to appreciate you for opening up, but also since personal. Yes, yes. But it also gives you meaning. It also connects to it, what you're doing. And entrepreneurship or any kind of leadership is not always easy. It requires making choices which are tough or which go against the grain. And I think having that meaning, having that even personal purpose helps you navigate that journey easier than what it would be otherwise. Absolutely. And it's also something that, that is beautiful when you find that your team or the people who want to work for you share that and really want to be part of that. And that makes the selection process and that in the hiring easier. <laughs> yeah. Can you share a little bit more about that? How does that change or impact your hiring process or even your co-founders, right? Is that a shared challenge or pain, if I may use that word? What my co-founders and I share is the frustration that so much knowledge is already out there. There are so many hundreds and thousands of clinical studies where issues regarding fertility diagnostics, fertility therapy are discussed, are, are, are found, great results, but they're not made available to the people who really need them. As a physician, you don't have the time to read all of the studies and guidelines. We're aware of that. Patients are not. Patients typically think that doctors should have all the answers. They should know everything, but that is an unrealistic expectation from my point of view. So that really frustrates us and that connects us. And that's why we wanted to come up with a software that includes many automated things or many diagnostic and therapeutic approaches that don't have to be known or by a brain or that, that actually cannot be saved in any one person's brain, but that are really out there to be automated so that People have access to something that is known, that is established, especially physicians can use that for recommendations and can focus on the personal interaction 
with the patient and spend their time so much more meaningful. Regardless which country you look at, physicians complain about the little time they have with their patients and the amount of time that they need to spend with billing, with reimbursement matters, and with documentation, with reading literature. And I think in this day and age where algorithms and machine learning are so widely available, why not use it for that as well? It would just make perfect sense. And that is what unites us as co-founders. And to address your second question, how does it influence our hiring process? I mean, awesome talent is so hard to find. That applies to pretty much um, every country, every branch. It especially applies to startups who have a limited budget. I think that with the mission and division, we have to empower women to make good decisions for family planning and for diagnosing fertility and addressing fertility issues. That helps us in finding driven people who work at Levy, not for the money, and startups don't pay that well. Everybody knows that. And not just for flexible work schedules and a great team that we are, but really for that vision and that mission. And if if somebody is already aware of that in the application process, so we can ignite that fire. We have quite a lot of applicants who don't really know what infertility is or what IVF is, young people in their early to mid-20s who've never come across that problem. And if we're able to instill that in them, and that's one of the major reasons why they eventually really want to have and do this job, and that makes me happy. Thank you. Thank you for adding that. Can you share a little bit more about like the solution that you have? Because I live in the Netherlands and you live in Austria, right? And I think according to any metric, any measurement, the medical system, the healthcare system in Western Europe is considered the best, even better than like the States or anywhere else. So what is it that is missing in this space that you feel that needs to change? And you shared a little bit about that, but can you just elaborate for anybody who is listening and who might be like unaware? Yeah, what's missing in the space, there are so many things missing. I mean, on the one hand, we have a shortage of reproductive endocrinologists making IVF, in vitro fertilization in general, artificial reproductive therapy less accessible and more expensive. On the other hand, you have gynecologists who are not trained in endocrinology, which is something you need in order to do fertility medicine to stimulate ovaries and so forth. So there is a, there is certain knowledge missing. And on the other hand, what's missing is that, that, that link between OBGYNs and fertility and a good selection of which patient should be with their gynecologist, because that's the best person to go to. And which person should go to an IVF clinic because you, because that person needs IVF. We see many people directed to a fertility clinic who could easily get pregnant without IVF. And on the other hand, we see OBGYNs and other physicians who hold on to their patients for many years. And then when they're 40 or 41, they send them to the, to the IVF clinic where they have really low pregnancy chances and sometimes cannot get pregnant with IVF anymore or need way more cycles than they would have needed otherwise. That's me. The way way I am understanding this, this looks like quite technical and also niche. So how do you manage when it comes to talking to customers, talking to investors, talking to stakeholders? It's quite technical when it comes to all the algorithms that interpret data. I wouldn't say that it's so niche because every sixth to seventh couple struggles to conceive. It really depends on and how open your friend's family are for people to see how many it is. Because oftentimes I get the feedback but that's especially from investors, but that's a niche market. Mm. And then we're like, no, it's not. Maybe the people just don't open up that they're doing IVF because they're embarrassed. And many people are. 
very few couples share fertility struggles openly or even with their family and friends. I personally know the majority of my friends who went through fertility diagnostics and treatment did not share it with their family, at least not at first. Later when they were pregnant, they did. But as long as that's something you haven't overcome, that's a difficult subject to to discuss. So yeah, the discussion with investors is tough because they don't think it's relevant enough. It's not a big enough problem to solve. It's a different story when you talk to an investor who has had IVF, had, has done IVF him or herself or has had fertility problems themselves. That's when they know how emotional the struggle is and how much willing couples going through this are willing to spend money on something that that helps them. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot like in one of the questions you previously asked, you, you said it's personal and it is very personal. And it's sometimes also very personal conversation with investors, depending on whether they are personally attached to the topic because of their experience or not. Thank you. Thank you for adding that, because I think even as a man, I might be biased. I might be totally turned off from those kind of conversations. But then again, people don't talk about this. That's also another thing. But that's a good thing, that's a good thing you're mentioning. So as a man, have you, and let me just ask you this, have any of your friends ever brought the issue? Very occasionally, yes. I think I can pinpoint one or two, but not more than that. But I know many people who have struggled with fertility, but not directly through them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I can imagine that if it's a difficult like, to really speak in a casual conversation, it can be very difficult to really ask for help or really open up around that. And I'm sure that stress, that holding that inside also makes it more difficult for you to... Yeah, that's the interesting thing. And the thing that I really like is that as soon as you open up or as soon as I open up and talk about fertility struggles and my personal fertility struggles in public, all of a sudden other people open up as well. And they're like, yeah, I've also seen this doctor and he couldn't help me. Or yes, I've also had two miscarriages, but actually I don't like to talk about it often. But, you know, if you've gone through the same experience, then obviously I'm happy to share and they're happy to talk to somebody else who can relate. Yeah. And I think this is one thing with with leadership and human communication as well, that the more we open, it looks difficult. It looks embarrassing at times, but it increases trust. It builds a relationship even when there was none before. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the beauty of what we do. I mean, essentially a product is a software, but the people we deal with are still people with their stories and their desires. When you design a software for fertility, you really cannot just be any software because you know that the people using it um, use it with a lot of emotion and a lot of expectations. And they want to be seen. They want an eye-to-eye relationship. They don't want to be talked down to. At the same time, there's many things they don't know. So a lot is also about the right tone of voice in which you educate both physicians and women about things they don't know yet. And especially with physicians, you have to find a different tone of voice because they know that many people think that they should know everything when they don't know and it's impossible to know everything. Yeah, I think especially when it's coming from an expert to really open up and say that I do not know or that I might be wrong is very difficult. Yeah, and I, the United States is a bit different from Europe because U.S. physicians had used technology in everyday patient relations for a long time. 
Whereas European physicians, they maybe sometimes Google something, but they don't use clinical decision support tools the way Americans do. For them, it just comes a lot more natural. For them, it's more like, hey, technology exists. Why shouldn't I use it? Technology makes the relationship and the advice that they're able to give better. And they're not even like, they're not trying to hide it. They involve the patient in the way they use technology to come up with a decision. And that's what I totally like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, but nevertheless, this is a challenge, right? So there is not just a solution part, but there is also the educational part to what you're trying to do. And then being a startup is anyways a challenge, irrespective of what solution or what market that you're addressing. So how do you or the rest of your founders deal with the pressure that comes with it? So this is very personal for you as this is a topic which people find difficult to talk about, even investors. And then there's a lot of dynamics here. How do you manage all the pressure and overwhelm that comes along with it? I think what my co-founders and I do is that we try to talk a lot to other co-founders who go through similar things and see how they're coping, what's helping them. It's a bit like infertility. If you go through infertility, you like to talk to other people who go through it because other, for other people, it's difficult to relate. It's a bit the same with co-founders. We all have personal coaches. I think that's really important. We all have our sports and outdoors routine. We make sure to meet frequently and talk about things off top, like off. not talk about the company, not talk about the team, but really talk about private matters. We also try to do that with the team frequently, have lunches, have dinners, go out and just have a good time and be with each other as people and not as employees and colleagues. I mean, there is friction in every startup and among co-founders because as you mentioned, there is a lot of, and a lot of uncertainty. A lot of times you don't know what your runway is, how the business plan is going to work out, if you're going to manage to raise the next round and so forth. The thing that always strikes me is that I am and my co-founders as well, we are so busy doing what we're doing that we don't really have the time to think about that too much and to wonder where are my paychecks coming from a year from now or whenever. You just, you just keep on going and you got to be there for your team. I mean, I have to be there for my team. And that keeps me so busy. And that is something that, that motivates me so much that I don't really feel too pressured, to be honest. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that community part and the fact that you all have coaches. It's so important to, to talk about these things. And it might, I, I want to highlight that. I interview a lot of leaders, but it's very rare that, that I interview women leaders because women leaders are like by, just by proportion less. So what you're saying, and even in your tone of voice, I think it's, there is a different perspective here than many men who are leaders and they have that, like, it's a, it's a very different way of dealing with pressure. And I think what you are very, what I could listen in your voice was very humble, but also very grounded at the same time. And that is a strength. Like many times we see asking for help or building community as a weakness, especially for men, it can be difficult because like we, uh, as men, we have grown up hearing that we have to do it all alone or we have to solve every problem. But what you are saying and given the responsibility you have taken on, it's so you are doing something meaningful. You are that you have something which is challenging and you have to deal with uncertainty. But at the same time, you are very matter-of-factly stating the challenges as well as what you're doing to support yourself, to empower yourself on the way. Yeah, thank you. And when it comes to coaches, the important thing is to not get a coach when everything is falling apart, but to get a coach way before and when you're doing well. I mean, having a startup and being in such a fast-paced environment means that you need to have a steep learning curve. And that 
there's friction between you and your environment. And many people tell you, no, you can't do this. No, this can't be done. No, you're too early for this. No, you're not the right person. So you get many. And I think having a coach who helps you navigate all the different responses from your environment and the different expectations from customers and the expectations from your team and how you grow with that and how you struggle with that. It's really important to do that from the get-go way before you, there are conflicts or struggles or things are falling apart. I see a coach rather as like a mirror on the wall, really reflecting things and pushing back things to me and giving me things to think about and to question, not as somebody who's giving me the solutions. Absolutely. Thank you for adding that pieces of wisdom. I think a lot of founders and leaders need to hear that. Thank you for sharing that. And you shared earlier about like you have two children now. I have two children. Yes, they are nine and 13. And how has motherhood been for you? That is a good question. Motherhood for me is challenging just like for everybody, I would say. It is very fulfilling. It is a lot of fun. I just love the directness and the honesty that you get from your kids, just not holding back. I love the questions they ask. My kids are both very curious and they often wonder what the heck it is that I'm doing. And they come up with the cutest and most interesting question. And for me as, for me as a woman, I... Had I not become a mother, I really probably would have felt that I missed out on something important, something big. That's just for me. A lot of women don't have that. A lot of women are perfectly happy and fine not being a mother. But for me, it was really like a missing piece that I'm happy to be. And of course, I struggle being a mother and having a startup at the same time. I feel like I'm never, I'm never doing enough on the one end and I'm never doing enough on the other. I always would like to have more time for my children, more quality time. And I always have things for my startup at the end of the day that I really wanted to get to do and didn't get around to. So that's the struggle and the frustration I have learned to deal with because that is something that I experience every day. Every single day, I feel like I should have done more. And that is something that you just have to find a way with to, to feel comfortable with and to enjoy the things that work, that do work out and enjoy the accomplishments that you do have. And if it's not that much quality time I have with my kids, then I really enjoy the 30 minutes that I have with my daughters playing a game or whatever. So it's really the tiny things that you then appreciate or learn to appreciate more. But you yeah, have the daily struggle is there and I have that just like any other working mom out there. Thank you. Thank you for adding that. I think the tiny things is what we remember. The tiny things is what makes, what add those sparks to, to our life. And then also seeing that as a narrative and then sharing that narrative also connects with your, what you're trying to do with your meaning and purpose. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I hope that my kids can appreciate that one day. <laughs> they will, they will. Yes, they will. And Right. Again, what we are talking about, I think for anybody who is listening, this is not easy many times to talk about, to open up. And I want to acknowledge that, right? Even in this conversation, we were interrupted by some technical issues and we will remember, I will at least remember this interview for those interruptions. So these tiny things, sometimes in the rush for productivity, in the rush for getting things done, especially in the startup or a very... Uh, like a high productive culture, we tend to ignore all of those emotions or small little things, but it's uh, stopping, slowing down and understanding them, which actually makes it more sustainable, more meaningful and more joyful in the long run. Yeah, thank you for saying that. 
Yes. So before we end, any advice we would like to give somebody, either man or woman, who is juggling with multiple, multiple balls, have multiple commitments, and yet at the same time want to make a difference? In- that is a tough one, Sumit. <laughs> Because I'm not, I'm not so good at it myself, admittingly. When you have lots, lots of different things to do and find it hard to prioritize, or actually you know how to prioritize, but you still don't have enough time. What helps me is to really get rid of all the noise of all the things that I think I should be doing. But when you think a bit more about it, they're not necessary. And to just get rid of that or to ask somebody else to look after that. Especially as a working mom, oftentimes you feel that you need to do it everything. Like you cannot give this to anybody else because you should be in charge. You should be on top. But I find out it's not. And uh, for instance, with my kids, the more responsibility I give to them, the more I challenge them doing things on their own. I find out that I have underestimated them for a long time. They are capable of doing so many things without me. It's amazing. And I'm glad when they when they're doing something for the first time and they aren't quite sure and they give me a call. And I can, I can give them some advice or tell them the way I would do it. And then they go about and do it whichever way. That makes me totally happy. And being, because it's about leadership, when I think of my team, I, it's not that different, to be honest. If the more that they don't need me, the better. And if they go on with their project and they call me twice or three times a week because they're struggling or they aren't quite sure, and I give them advice, or I tell them how I would do it, or I ask them a question and they either take it or leave it. And then they maybe find their own solution, whichever, that makes me happy. So taking yourself out of it and just see what unfolds. And oftentimes you're not that needed in many areas as you thought. Thank you. I think you're absolutely right. I have a three-year-old myself. So I know that there is a lot of parallels between uh, parenthood and uh, leadership. Uh, and you can take away lessons from either in either direction, but also from what you were sharing of cutting out the noise. I think I have a coach and I remember one of our conversations and he was telling me that when you are very clear and committed about where you want to go in any given moment, you always know what to do. And then everything else is noise. Right? So we can, it's like driving at night. You cannot see the whole way. But your headlight can illuminate only the few meters in front of you. And that's enough. We can get all stressed out by thinking about the whole way, but really not see that in this moment, the only thing which we have to do is to take the next step. And as you said, technology. Yeah. And you said it yourself, right? That could be sometimes leaving people alone. That could be sometimes saying no. That could be asking somebody else to do something, right? And all of these next steps is like when once you are committed, once what gives you meaning, once the direction adds purpose to you, then the only thing which matters in any given moment when you clear out the noise is the next step. And you always know that. And yeah, I agree. It makes it easier. It makes it easier to forget about the noise when you're really committed and driven and fulfilled and see the vision and have the purpose. If you don't have that, it's a lot harder. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you once again. And before we end, for anybody who is listening, if they want to reach out to you or find out more about your product, what you're up to, what is the best way to find that out? It's on our website. It's www.levy, spelled L-E-V-Y dot help. And if you want to get in touch with me directly, it's Sylvia, spelled with an I, at levy.health. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. 
Thank you. Thank you, Sylvia. I will make sure to add that in the show notes. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction. Not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.